I, you know, this isn't a pun, but beloved author and beloved author, Toni Morrison had passed away on Monday night at the age of 88. She was a Nobel laureate in literature, and she explored black identity in America, and in particular, the crushing experience of being a black woman through prose that no one else could touch. Joining us on the line to discuss the life and legacy is WBEZ Southside reporter Natalie Moore. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me this morning. How are you feeling today? Still in my feelings. I am 100% there with you. I mean, we all got the news in the middle of the morning yesterday. And and as I mentioned, 88 years old is a, a great lifespan, but it still felt surprising to me. It was such a gut punch and I didn't even know she was 88. Uh, I guess I didn't think about her age. I thought she was younger. I thought she would be around a lot longer but you go to work, you log on your computer and you're just like Whew. Yeah. and I just wasn't, well, I don't think anyone was prepared for it. No, I, um, I don't think so. But either. I just, I ended up sitting at my desk and I just started crying and I uh, I was surprised by my reaction. Like it, I, I was. It it really shook me. Yeah, you're an author in your own right, and you often, uh, in your work, speak of the same sorts of themes that uh, Toni Morrison spoke of: the black experience in America, the experience of being a black woman in America and in Chicago. What was your first experience, your first exposure to the work of Toni Morrison, and, and how did it influence you as a as a fledgling writer? It, um, my first, the first novel I read by her was her first novel, The Bluest Eye. And I don't know if listeners remember the Croc and Brentano's bookstore in Evergreen Plaza. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) I had a credit card to the bookstore (laughs) as a kid. (laughs) Okay, nerd alert. (laughs) I know. I, you know, my, my dad, I asked my dad and he said, no, like, what are you, you're nuts. And then. He told his friends, you know, can you believe my daughter wants a credit card at the bookstore? And they all said, man, if my daughter wanted a credit card at the bookstore, I'd give it to her. And I was about 11 or 12. And I bought a lot of books from there. And I remember seeing The Bluest Eye. I was, I'm going to say I was either either in sixth or seventh grade. Mm. And it just struck me the description, a little girl who wanted blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bought it and I didn't understand it. <laughs> Tony it was Morrison, deep. you know, is not the the easiest writer to read. She's so complex. Um, and that's part of her genius, but I was I was too young to 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 really grasp it. I read it in high school and I still didn't grasp it. <laughs> and then I read it again in college and I think I got it. Um, but I even though I didn't get it, it didn't turn me off from her. Mm. I want to make sure that folks know that she was, of course, a very celebrated writer, but she was also a tireless activist for black Americans. I want to play a short clip of uh, Toni Morrison in her own words, three separate interviews. She sat down with Stephen Colbert. She sat down with Charlie Rose and she sat down with a woman from the BBC uh, and Toni had time that day. This is Toni Morrison in her own words on racism. There is no such thing as race. None. Really? There's just a human race, scientifically, mm-hmm. anthropologically. Racism is a construct, mm-hmm. a social construct. And it has benefits. It has uh, money can be made off of it. And people who don't like themselves can feel better because of it. 
It can describe certain kinds of behavior that are wrong or misleading. So it has a social function, racism. But race can only be defined as a human being. If the racist white person, I don't mean the person who is examining his consciousness and so on, doesn't understand that he or she is also a race, it's also constructed, it's also made, and it also has some kind of serviceability. But when you take it away, I take your race away, and there you are, all strung out, and all you got is your little self. And what is that? What are you without racism? Are you any good? Are you still strong? Are you still smart? Are you still like yourself? If you can only be tall because somebody's on their knees, then you have a serious problem. And my feeling is white people have a very, very serious problem. And they should start thinking about what they can do about it. Take me out of it. You don't think you will ever change and write books that incorporate white, white lives into them substantially? I have done. Mm. In, In a substantial paradise. way. You can't understand how powerfully racist that question is, can you? Because you could never ask a white author, when are you going to write about black people? Whether he did or not, or she did or not. Mm. Even the inquiry comes from a position of being in the center. And being used to being in the center. And being used to being in the center. Mm. We are both, as I imagine a lot of us are, still reeling from the loss of Toni Morrison, who passed away on Monday at the age of 88. She uh, did not mince words, now did she? She did not, and as I've been thinking about why I feel so affected by her death, I can't imagine a world without her. Mm. And her searing words of calling out racism and white supremacy in such a concise way. Um, and that's a voice that we need today. And I think that's was hurting me also that her voice, I mean, her, she lives on, she's an ancestor and you know, her language won't die, but she's physically not here. Yeah. At a time where, you know, she's she had been in the game for, you know, half of her life, just over half of her life. She published her first novel in at the age of 40. And, you know, the, the things that she spoke about 44 years ago are still terribly relevant uh, in 2019. Are there authors uh, besides yourself, obviously, <laughs> that you look to uh, in 2019 who have taken up that mantle, who are continuing on with this legacy? Yeah, that's a really good question because that was giving giving me some comfort last night. Mm. Like, what world do I live in now? What voices? And, and I, I I immediately think of Jesmyn Ward, mm. who's um, a Southern writer. Um, she reminds me so much of Toni Morrison, um, and you know she's written Salvage the Bones. Um, Sing Unburied, Sing, which came out two years ago, and I had the pleasure of um, interviewing her, doing a, a conversation with her. And she's done nonfiction, Men We Reaped. Um, so 
I, I, I think about her, and then we have, you know, Toni Morrison was a critic also. Oh, yes. And I think about Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, I think about Casey Lehman. I think about the novelist Tayari Jones. So I, And she's inspired all of those. I mean, there's, there's no black writer who I think would say they have not been influenced by Toni Morrison. Some people went into English, into writing, because of her and she paved away like no one well someone might ask that question but she answered that question about you know there are no white people in your novels like those those aren't the kind of questions I think black artists get today and she was I think I, I read somewhere someone said you know she was unapologetically black before that was even a term mm-hmm. but she also was the great American novelist. You know, we don't want to pigeonhole her either as just a black literary giant. She, you know, this is a blow to the entire canon of literature in this country. I encountered her work in the summer between eighth and ninth grade. And like you said, you were young too. I was young too. And it was like, I read uh, uh, The Bluest Eye at work. I had a little summer job (laughs) as a teaching (laughs) assistant. And I'm just sitting in like one corner of this room, just wide eyed, taking all of her work in. That was also the first summer I got to experience uh, the work of Maya Angelou. And it was a a seismic shift in my way of thinking, even if I didn't quite grasp all of it. But if you uh, had any advice for maybe some of our younger listeners who were hoping to uh, introduce themselves to Miss Tony. Where would you tell them to start? I think starting with the bluest eye mm. is good, even though it's, you know, it might be a hard text to to get through. But I would start with the beginning. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's from a point of view of a young person, uh, and it it really just speaks to uh, racism, internalized racism. It's a whole. It's a whole mood, and uh, yeah, I'm just having trouble articulating how much she mm-hmm. meant to me and how much she means to the yeah. literary wor- world, but I'm so glad that the two of us are having this conversation What together. is your favorite Toni Morrison book? Beloved. I, me too. Uh, yeah, that was, that was the one that finally cracked through, you know what I mean? It was, uh, it, it is just the, the way that she wrote was all-encompassing. It wasn't just something you took in with your eyes and processed with your brain. You felt it in your soul, in your stomach. Uh, Sometimes it would give you a a tension headache just thinking about some of the things that she she wrote about that were still coming into play. It helped me understand my my mom better. It helped me understand my grandmother better, my aunts. How how so? In that sometimes when you when you spend all day, every day with somebody and you're a kid and you, you know, are having that kind of clash of personality that puberty comes with. uh, And you think that, you know, your, your matriarchs may just be on your case for no good reason. And then you read books like Toni Morrison's, you read books like Maya Angelou's and you realize that generationally they have been through it. Uh, Mm. And you as a young person certainly have a lot to learn. So maybe just calm down and shut up and learn. (laughs) (laughs) If I think about books that had a lasting impact on me that never leave me, it would be Beloved. And when I read it, I was really intimidated (laughs) before I picked it up. I said, am I going to get this? You know, I'm not smart enough to read Toni Morrison. (laughs) It it Um, did sometimes make you question. (laughs) Yes. And I I just, I was awestruck. No. 
yeah. by it. And the sacrifice that this mother made and the trauma of it and the, the decision you know, it was, and then in 2008, you know, you know, she wrote the libretto mm -hmm. to Margaret Garner, who is the person that inspired Beloved, and I got to see that here in oh. Chicago, and it was fantastic. Um, but also brought to work with me just for some, you know, inspiration. My mother's original copy of Sula, mm. dog-eared and, and well-worn. Um, it's yellow. <laughs> the pages are yellow, and the prices on the the bind it, it was a dollar fifty. <laughs> um, this is probably a collector's item. I don't think it's the first edition, but you know this book is from the nineteen seventies. Yeah, I uh, am sad that she is gone, but I feel so lucky to have uh, been on the earth at the same time and to have gotten to take in all of her words and I I hope that uh, folks who have never heard of her before now are taking this as the opportunity to enrich their lives with her, her writing. There's so much that she left behind. We're so lucky. Yeah, We're so we lucky. Natalie Moore, thank you so much for joining me. Natalie Moore is WBEC. Thank you for asking me, Jill. Oh, of course, anytime. Uh, next time you come on, we have to talk about something happy, though. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Moore is WBEC's Southside reporter. She's also the author of The Southside, A Portrait of Chicago and American Segregation, and the co-author of The Almighty Black Peacestone Nation, The Rise, Fall, and Resurgence of an American Gang, and Deconstructing Tyrone, A New Look Back at Black Masculinity in the Hip-Hop Generation. Natalie, keep carrying that torch. We appreciate you. Thank you.